What's up, everybody? Welcome back. We've got a big one in store for you today. I got Mike Leto here, Rise Advisory or Rise Sports Advisors. Welcome to the show, man. How you doing, man? I'm good, man. How are you doing? I mean, coming in hot from the combine. I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. It was a it was a good long weekend. Yeah, some good new prospects and stuff. Yeah, man. We we have about uh, five six guys that are you know we we really are recruiting hard. We're in the last stages of signing some really good players. They performed really well uh, this past week. Awesome, awesome. Well, let's, before we dive into this, let's tell everybody a little bit about who you are, your background, and kind of where you came from and what, 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 you, what you represent today. Yeah, so I'm originally from Fort Wayne, Indiana, uh, okay. born and raised, and um, I was a, a high school collegiate athlete, uh, played running back, and... Um, St. Francis, right? St. Francis, yeah. Played in a couple of national championships. Uh, was a two-time All-American, um, you know, and, uh, you know, got a degree in business administration with a concentration in marketing. Started my first company when I was in college. Um, so always kind of had that entrepreneurial bug. Uh, I was, you know, raised around some very strong men, uh, my uncles, my father, grandfather, one of my uncles was a prominent sports agent, Eugene Parker, um, has seven Hall of Famers. And so whenever wow, you- Wow, when seven Hall of Famers. Yeah, seven, yeah. Woo. So when you, you know, when you grow up around, you know, Curtis Martin and Deion Sanders and Rob Woodson and Derek Brooks, you know, it's not bad people to, you know, kind of grow up around. So I think when, when I grew up around that, it gave me the, you know, all people always talk about proximity. What's, yeah, you know, sometimes what's been what's been proximity to you could be good or it could be bad. And luckily with him, my grandfather, my uncle Virgil, my father Vincent, I was able to just be around some really good strong men and uh, gave me good examples. And they and they taught you a lot of these life lessons, I assume as well. A lot of different things. Yeah, you know, my grandfather was an old school throwback. You know, singing in the church, owned his own construction company, uh, wasn't a high school graduate from South Carolina. You know, and uh, my dad was a far better athlete than I was in baseball and basketball and grew up around him. And my uncle's the one that got me to read and study and learn. So all of them just deposited different things in me and gave good, uh, good examples, good demonstration. So what did you first start out doing when you first came out of college? When I first came out of college, I uh, actually when I was a sophomore in college, one of my best friends growing up, Brian Bossier, uh, he was a doctor in physical therapy athletic trainer meathead weight room guy and uh we started our we when i was in college we started our first company together was a training company and so we ended up being one of the fastest growing training companies in the midwest ended up owning three locations um had over 250 kids go to college maybe 100 went d1 15 to 20 went to the uh, to the professional ranks so coaching and training is yeah like facility coach, yeah coaching training physical development mental spiritual we did all that i ended up uh merging the company with a $2 billion hospital, and then I ended up selling the majority stake of it to a private equity firm. Okay, so you don't still operate that today? No, no, absolutely not. No, okay. I I, uh, I stepped away from that to, to be in what I'm doing now with Rise Advisors. Okay, so tell us a little bit about Rise Advisors and what what, what exactly you do. Because I know even in the lounge, there's a lot of confusion, 
Is he a sports agent? Is he a financial advisor? What exactly does Mike do? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the simplistic way to think about it. But uh, so if you're familiar with a family office, uh, family office, the high net worth individuals uh, that usually have a, um, a math, a, a, a wealth, a net worth of over 25 million or had like a liquidity event of selling their business, they typically just don't have a financial advisor or an accountant. They have a family office that oversees their whole family and conducts all their business and so on and so forth to assure, you know, generational wealth and good operation. So we have developed a multifamily office, which means you serve more than one family uh, specifically for athlete entrepreneurs. So we have a niche, niche business that we are a multifamily office for the athlete entrepreneur. And so what we do is we take young men who have had great success on the field or on the court, um, whatever their field of play may be, and we help them develop a legacy strategy on what they want to be and what they want to do beyond the game. Uh, we have created a network of principals, managing partners, and private equity, real estate, venture capital that provides our goods, good investment opportunities and deal flow, um, the mentor and access. And then we provide CFO solutions where, just like any company having a CFO, we oversee all their stuff. So where, you know, whether if it's purchasing a home, doing stuff for family, what they got with a financial advisor, what they did with this investment over here. A lot of times athletes don't have one entity or one pe uh, group of people that are overseeing all of it, you know. So that's what yeah, I think the common con perception is that the agent does all that. No. And, and that they handle multiple things like that or their network of family does it. And what I found from talking to you is that's really not the case at no, all. No, no, The agent strictly deals with you and the team pretty much. Exactly. The, the agents are the football experts. They yeah. help you when it comes to your training, your marketing endorsements, uh, your contract negotiations, and a liaison with the team. Okay. So how did you find your purpose? I mean, because, I mean... It sounds like you really developed this purpose of what you wanted to do. I mean, you went from the athlete growing. You said you grew up around it. You watched it. How did you find this purpose that, or this niche that to you serves your purpose? Yeah. I'll, you know, I like to tell people from time to time that uh, people confuse their purpose with their function. You know, and so like, like for example, with athletes, they, they have a lot of identity issues at time because they tend to think that, me playing this game is my purpose. And that's just not the case, right? So for me, my purpose hasn't changed when I went from my training organization to Rise. It's the same. My, my thing is to, 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 to make entrepreneurs and develop leaders. Now I just do it at a professional rank from a business perspective. Before I used to do it athletically. And so for me, um, you know, just like every athlete, right? I thought I was going to make it to the NFL, play mm -hmm. in the NFL. I was pretty good at a time at a low-level school, and uh, we had a lot of success. And I had ankle injuries, couldn't play, recognized I was a little too small, my body couldn't maintain it. And then it was like, okay, well, let me develop young men because I was always a leader, you know, in that regard. Yeah. And then when I got, when I sold my business to the PE firm, I got exposed to mergers, acquisitions, business development, business strategy, became a passion. And that's when I made the transition of developing athletes just to go to college or the pros and now start helping them become business people because I I was the entrepreneur. I went through it, I lived it. You know, I'm an operator. And so I'm on my third, you know, third business. And so um I wanted to transfer that stuff over. 
So what, what are some of the lessons that were really key, you think, from your grandfather, your dad, or your uncles that really that stick out to you, that kind of led you down this path or maybe inspired you? What, what do you think some of those key, like, Man, that's a good question. key lessons were? It's a good question. I think, Because uh, a lot of people really look for, you know, what was that moment or what were right, some of those right, right, key right. things that really inspired them? Or push them because you see so many people are like, I don't know what my purpose is, or I, you know, I, I've been an athlete my whole life, and I'm not just an athlete. You know, I hear that from a lot of guys that have been on show, <clears throat> not necessarily just on the show, or athletes I have relationships with or been friends with, that they really, they, there's there's that struggle when they get out of the spotlight. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. you know, I know I know you do a lot to set them up with your clients, and we'll kind of get into that, but. I feel like there's some, probably some key moments or maybe life lessons that maybe you gave them or even some of the great coaches that you were played under or yeah. have worked with. Yeah, no, I'll give the flowers to, you know, my father, my uncle Virgil, my grandfather and, yeah. and my uncle Eugene. Right. Those are probably the most prominent okay. to be truthful. Uh, you know, when it comes to my grandfather, uh, I think it was hard work. And it was a family first. You know, I, I've been told that if you honor your family, God will honor your dreams, right? A lot of us as men, when we're entrepreneurs and we're driven, we're motivated, we go off and we, motiv- we go do all these things, but we forget about the family. And so yeah. I think for my grandfather, it was just hard work and honoring the family. I think for my dad, man, that dude just is a gifted communicator. Uh, he can make a friend with anybody, you know what yeah. I'm saying? Uh, and so with him, it was just how to communicate appropriately, you know, how to build relationships, communicate well with people. He used to get on me all the time about my communication and if I wasn't communicating right. So like what? Oh, man, if I just, you know, you know, homie, when I would go visit him in Atlanta, he would make me read the dictionary and tell him definitions and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So I think with my dad, man, he would get on me about my grammar, probably will still to this day. My yeah. communicate as good as him. So, uh, you know, that would kind of be my dad. My Uncle Virgil challenged my thinking, you know. Okay. Uh, he was the reason I started reading. I was a kid that, you know, I think in high school, up to high school, I never read. And then when I got to college as a freshman, I read like 20 books in one year, you know, because my uncle lit that fire. And he always challenges the status quo of my thinking, you know. And, and he's the reason I think I'm open-minded and things of that nature. And then my Uncle Eugene, man, with him, it, from a business perspective, it was just pursuing excellence, being great at what you do with your craft, and then humble confidence. My uncle was the, I like to tell people, I was just at dinner on Saturday night with David Mugaletta that is right now, you know, the number one agent in the game. And mm-hmm. he's probably like the LeBron James of, you know, of the agent game right now. And if he's LeBron, my uncle was Michael Jordan. He's new like the Scott Boris, right? Yeah, like yeah. that every manager, owner, does not want to have to deal with Mugaletta. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm glad that he's doing a contract for one of my guys right <laughs> yeah. now. Yeah. But, you know, my uncle was the Michael Jordan before him. Yeah. He opened the door. And it was really cool. So I was at the combine this weekend, right? It was dope. And I walk into my hotel. I, I'm not lying. I posted it on my IG. Walk into the hotel. First day. I didn't even take my luggage into my room. It was this young brother from Dallas represents Jeffrey Simmons, I think, uh, the D-tackle for uh, the Titans. Okay. Contract. And 
He had a hoodie with my uncle on it. And it said the standard, my uncle's face, and then his name on the bottom. And I'm like, yo, like that's my uncle, bro. And so I was going wow. to the, I was going to the, my room. My my cousin, who's an agent now, my uncle's youngest son, comes walking through the door. And my cousin Austin looks just like his dad. And so okay. it was just eerie, crazy. Like the dude was there, we're talking. But yeah, so, you know, from my dad to my uncles to my grandfather, man, a lot of the time, especially with young black men, you hear a lot about, you know, and it's the reality for some people, absent fathers, you know, no, yeah. that wasn't my, that wasn't my No story. one in your situation. And I think that's why I, I can father young men so much and I pour into them because I was poured into so much. Yeah, you're just kind of returning that gift. Yeah, for sure. What, what, what is it that you try to focus on? Um, First, when you when you get a new athlete, what is the first path that you try to take them down? Because I think, you know, it's it's just like when I had Jonathan Scott on here and we talked about his book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Good when book. I yeah, when I read his book, it was written specifically for athletes. Absolutely, I've read it. I mean, it's it, it's geared straight at the athlete, and but. I'm not an athlete. I mean, I played high school stuff, but I mean, I wasn't even a collegiate athlete. Mm -hmm. So, but I read the book and I was like, man, it kind of sucks. And I kind of, I, I wish this was put out in a different way as well to where a, an average person would pick this book up and read it because there's still a lot of really good lessons in this book that you don't have to be an athlete to, Absolutely. you know, to, to take lessons from this book. So, you know, whether you choose to be an entrepreneur or an investor, what's what's the angle you take, and, and how do you first bring those, bring these new athletes along? Because I think that would apply to you know a lot of our listeners and other people. Because I think a lot of what you teach and do, yeah, it's the high wealth individuals and stuff. But I think there's a lot of people that could be in that gray area or close to that that want to learn some of these things. Um, not that you offer those services probably, but what, what are some of those lessons and w what route do you take a young player on initially to go down that road? Because I know you and I kind of talked a little yeah. bit and I kind of want to key you on the uh, conversation we had about you, you don't want to be an investor before you're an entrepreneur. Yeah, 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 yeah. So for me, one, I could say at Rise Advisors, I've, I've built and am continuing to build a very strong team in um, I, one of my greatest qualities I've always been is a really good mentor and I know how to meet people where they're at but with that being stated I'm not for everybody right, right. Uh, I've been accused of being polarizing at times and so some people they, they usually love me or just don't fit with me and that's fine right like everybody's not for everybody I don't have an ego into that factor but I got great guys on my team like Jay Bass who have a, he has a different approach to me. Young, smart guy, relates to people. I like Jay. Jay's a good dude. Yeah, great guy, man. And so amazing in finance. And so with that, you know, those people can relate with guys that don't feel with me. But when, you, when it comes to me particularly that work with athletes, one, you know, it's a marathon, not a sprint. I'm trying to help them develop as men first. And, and in doing that, I want to let them know that this isn't a judgment zone. Now, I'm going to set a standard, and I'm going to hold you to a standard when you say what you want to do for you and your family, and I'm going to keep it real. I'm not kissing your butt. I'm not doing any of that. But it comes from a place of love, but then at the same time, I'm not going to judge you. So at the end of the day, I have to find out where they're at, and they all come in at different levels, right? Some from two-parent homes, 
some from Stanford, some from other institutions. And so you got to meet some. You can't treat them all the same. Right. You know what I'm saying? And so I come in, and, and in that beginning phase, we're trying to get to know each other. And they're going to know that I'm loyal, I'm solid, I'm here to educate you, I'm here to challenge you, I'm not really here to be your friend. Right? And so... I think that shows, too, because I see you come in with lots of different people. <laughs> you know, because I'm a member in the private lounge back here. So, I mean... It's not just like rookies and stuff like that, too. I think that speaks volumes because I've seen veterans, and I mean like long-time veterans and stuff, that all of a sudden they want to come talk to you. So obviously in there, you know, some of these guys have been in the league, whether it's the football league or baseball, 10, 12 years, and obviously they haven't been provided yeah. a lot of this I either. Took, I took me personally, not the organization, right? Yeah. Because our organization is bigger than me. Right. I'm just one person. I just happen to be the founder. Right. right. But I will say that uh, I tend to attract people, attract people who want to be challenged and want to grow. If you don't want to be challenged and you don't want to grow, I'm, I'm probably not the cup of tea. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And so from that, I don't take it lightly to someone trusting their family legacy with me. And so um, I think it's a calling, and I take it very, very seriously. So like you said, I, I try to get into that point of them. I challenge their mindset. I try to get them to think, learn how to think for themselves. It's about empowerment. I am not trying to enable guys. You know, I'm at a place where, you know, when they get to a place, like Jalen Smith was my first client. Uh, he's a vet now. He's on the tail end of his career probably, and – and starting his second career where he's going to be an uber entrepreneur, and he's closing on a He's an uber entrepreneur when he was a rookie damn near. I mean, well, Jalen putting out his own bourbons and all yeah, kinds of stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that was just – there's some exciting stuff that's coming on the pipe with him. All right. And he was, he was in training. But I would say that Jalen doesn't do stuff just for optics. You know, a lot of what you see in the professional ranks is optics, the look, the image, what's posted on social, all this – now, he's committed to the craft of an entrepreneur. And, uh, and so at his level, right, in the beginning, I had to educate, I had to mentor, I had to develop, and I still do. But at this point now, I help manage for him. Yeah. There's a lot of things he don't need me for. Yeah. He can go do it, he can delegate, I do this while he's doing that, and it's just a beautiful thing. Right. So I'm trying to get all my guys on their own path to that same level of independence and, and, and uh, entrepreneurship. How, how do you weed out some of these guys that look at you maybe and coming in like they just want to add something else to what they do? You know, they, they see other guys that, you know, have their own bourbon or have this. And how do you, how do you handle that? And how do you mentor from that or decide I'm not taking them on as a client or, hey, this is a growth opportunity here? Because yeah. there's probably a lot of guys that, like you said, it's for the flash. It's the optics. Yeah, that won't, it won't work with me. Yeah. So one is, is value alignment. I want to find out. When I, when I find out what a man values, I know what he'll do. Right? Yeah. And so for me, I try to find out what do they value? Do our values align? Are you, do you have the, the, the true desire to be an entrepreneur? Do you, do you embrace accountability? You don't embrace accountability. You ain't going to like us. Because, yeah. you know, we're, we're helping set the budgets. We're checking the budgets. We're, you're getting monthly reports on what you can spend. You know, uh, if you're off budget, on budget, we're vetting deals. A lot of guys, when they get to the pros and there's so much ego involved, they want all this autonomy because they, they're their own man to do all this stuff. But with us, there's checks and balances 
and there's approvals of things. You got you got accountability set in line to protect yourself, and if a lot of guys don't want that, yeah, and we're gonna and it, they want to live that big paycheck yeah. lifestyle. And, and so what we see is that at the end of every year, we do an assessment with the client with us, and if it's not working, we just you know we just respectfully you know separate. Yes, because I mean, I imagine, and I know I've heard you talk about this before. You know, if you make thirteen million dollars a year, mm-hmm. you don't want that guy coming in here and living a $13 million a year lifestyle because at the end of the day, that only lasts for so long. And you're trying to teach them entrepreneurship to where they can get to the point of investing and creating generational wealth for them and their families. Yeah, correct? So it's, it's, yeah, you talked about that a little bit earlier, right? Yeah. I kind of get to that. It's the basics 101 of cash flow. Cash flow and, and, and having, um, um, you know, a good, a good cash flow and a good cushion so that you can invest, Right. And if you don't have a good enough cash flow and a good enough monthly profit or annual profit, you can't invest. And so what happens with these guys is that what you're going to play for 10 years, right? Yeah. But after you get done playing with 10 years and you're 30 years old, you're 32 years old, you got about another 30 years to live, right? And so if you just have saved that money and then you plan to live on that money for retirement, do the math. Like, is that money based on the lifestyle that you've accrued and that you started doing if you can, if you're, if you can make your ego adjustment, which is not very easy That's to do. That's got to be the toughest thing right, to convince these right. young guys. I've been buying Bentleys. I've been buying this. I travel yeah. when I want. I do this. I spend two hundred thousand dollars a year on clothes. I'm doing whatever, whatever it may be. And now all of a sudden, you want me to change? You know, it it ain't that easy for anybody to change. You know, one of the biggest things that we have in life is to is to it's very hard for us to reprogram. Right, yeah. to unlearn things and changing new, your mindset, new new things. But I think it's significantly now. That's just for us, right? Yeah. Now be a celebrity. Yeah. And that people image, see you as a certain image and live in a certain way. You think that's easy to change? Yeah. And so if you can't get to these guys and and educate them and challenge them at a young age, it's going to be very difficult later on. So we look at our success of how are our guys going to live after they've played the game. That's really when we know if we won or not. So how, how do you guys deal with that these days? I mean, I've heard you also talk about, and I'm sure it's a big deal with these guys, and, you know, especially these younger generations. You know, before you didn't have all this social media, hmm. big advertising and all this stuff like that, that these guys are so worried, and I mean, and rightfully so, about their optics and how they're presented and what, what that looks like. How do you, what are some of the things you coach young entrepreneurs are on to deal with that and the pressures of all that. Yeah. So I think, I think it's, you know, I, I focus on athletes, but I think that it's fundamental. A lot of these things are universal principles. Yeah, right? exactly. Universal laws. I think the, the number one thing for any of us in our lives is having people around us that can check our blind spots and help us be aware of things. We are all most dangerous when we're unaware of something. Right. right? When, it, we're, when we're doing damage to ourselves, to someone else, and we don't have an awareness. But what we try to do and what I try to do is make them aware of what of what I see or what we see and what's going on. And so in today's world, you know, we've always had in this world, money makes the world go around. Right. Yeah. It's not all things, but it is what it is. Right. Especially in America. And so you look at financial capital. Then you look at human capital, which I think is the best thing. Right. I put human capital over financial capital any day. Because if I have the right human capital, I can produce financial capital in me. But now what we have in the new age of where we are now, we have this thing called social capital. And I think that this generation, 
value social capital over human and financial. I, ha I heard a young man tell me once, very close to me, uh, he was around some of my business advisors, very, very wealthy people, very successful people, uh -huh. real estate, finance. And he said, I don't want to be one of these guys making hundreds of millions of dollars, but nobody knows me. I'd rather be known. Right? Yeah. That's almost the mindset of this generation when you look at YouTube, TikTok, whatever. They'd rather have social capital, but the bank account really not be that great. Right. Because they get yeah. their affirmation and they get their acceptance through the social capital. Yeah. Right. You know, Jay-Z talked about fame is a drug. Right. Yep. So once you start doing it and that fame starts feeding you and it's gone. It's like, you know what, then, you know, a man makes a lot of money now you take his money away. So I try to challenge my guys at a young age as far as balance. I think life is all about balance. Money's good if you use it right. Social capital can be good if you use it right on social media. Human capital is a beautiful thing if you know how to leverage the relationships and serve other people and they serve you. But it's, so it's all about just educating them on all those things and helping them think. How do, how do you transition them once you kind of get them there? What, what's, how do you logically look at, because I know you said entrepreneur first, then investor. Yeah. Why do you set it up that way? And then how do you transition somebody like that? Yeah, it's three like, things. It's three things. It's the athlete first, right? Yeah. Because wealth is built in concentration and it's preserved. And they have a very short Bro. Time and so period. a lot of people will say, well, you're, conf you know, people will say, well, you got to let them focus on football. We do, right? We do. But they've been student athletes their whole life. So they've been able to do two things while all of a sudden they can't do that anymore. Yeah. So what we try to do is educate them, but let, you know, you got to concentrate on football because con we're in free agency right now. I have a guy in free agency. It's his success in football is why he's about to make a whole lot of money. But now we have the infrastructure and we've planned to make him an entrepreneur that creates new cash flow streams, right? Yeah. That, that keeps this high earning potential from football, keep a, a, a fraction of it or the same of it still going so that he never has to stop being an investor. Because most of these guys get high earned income, they create no other revenue stream or cash flow stream, then in the second phase of their life, when they got 30 more years to live, they're no longer investing. It's just, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not really investing. I'm saving to live off of that on the second phase of my life. And I think that what happens is it just runs, it runs dry. We, we see guys a lot. I live in Dallas. There's a lot of guys that are pro retire pro guys. Um, I'm able to see their lifestyle, see what's going on. And it's this, they're not living it like they did when they was young. And it's for yeah. obvious reasons. Yeah, because they just they didn't think about that future. They stayed in that moment. Is that where you're seeing some of these guys that are maybe more our generation that are, you know, or maybe the generation right below us that maybe they've had that six, eight career and that's about to max out, but they're or they're on that last contract where they're starting to find guys like you and, Absolutely. and come in? Absolutely. And I will tell you one of the things that's been confirmation for me, this is going to be our best draft class ever in our organization, which we were going really, really well. Yeah, I've seen some of these guys come in. <laughs> Although some of your guys owe me a fantasy year this year in football. I'm not going to name any names, but I had some high hopes for a couple people. Although one of them I am going to give a shout-out because he's definitely my keeper is uh, Sky. I mean, <laughs> got his touchdown in the Super Bowl, right, man. Right, right, right. I'm happy for Sky. He has a I got a future. lot of shit for that. They're like, you took this guy in what round? I'm like, he's a keeper. I'm telling y'all. 
Yeah, they gave me so much we shit. Love it. We love it. We love him it. And, him and Haskins. I got so much crap for that. And I was like, y'all watch. And y'all going to be mad when I get to keep him for three more years. And he's a first or second round pick in fantasy football. Yeah, Come no, talk to me no, then. That's my man's. That's my man's. <laughs> but, yeah, no. So, um, no, I'm, I hear what you're saying. It's definitely. But one of the things that's been confirmation for me, I was saying earlier, was out of these guys who got in this rookie class, three of them, their fathers played in the NFL. They love what we do because they can reflect back on what, what they, they did and didn't do. That's that's humbling in this confirmation because they know what they know where other parents have never run this route, so they might not fully understand our value. That's awesome, man. That that's gotta be a big step and a big, like you said, very humbling experience to have a father that you know, may or may not wanted his son to follow in the footsteps or have those pressures because some of these guys were great, great players. And then have their son get to that moment and wanting all that and more for them and then to instantly want them to be on board, that's got to be a pretty yeah, amazing Yeah, it's, it's humbling, man. We're in a, we're in a really good situation, and, and I'm blessed that uh, God has opened the doors, and we're just trying to be obedient to it. So... How did you, you use the word mentor a lot, and I like that, Mm -hmm. you know, but everybody can't just find a mentor. It seems like you hear people say all the time, well, I'd love to find a mentor. How do I, how do I find a mentor? You know, if, how how would you recommend people find a mentor or how do, how do you, how do you find other mentors that even at this stage of your game, because you're constantly around and being introduced to new experiences. How, how do you look at that? Yeah, I think, I think uh, finding a mentor, I think, is uh, a couple things, right? So I think it's based on what you see yourself wanting to be. Yeah. What you admire, like from a value standpoint, and then what are your weaknesses, right? Yeah. And I think if you can identify where you want to go, what you value in human beings, and then – what your weaknesses are, you can then look to see those things in somebody else. They've already gotten where you want to go. They, they have the values that you value. And then when you look at your weaknesses, there's things that they're actually strong at, right? Yeah. And they can do your, you know, check your blind spots. So for me, I never try to force myself on someone to be a mentor. I let them select me. And then I see if I have the time to pour into them. You know, and so for me, when I'm looking for certain things, it might be in the lounge, it might be whatever. And I'm seeing someone and I'm seeing their energy, their vibe. I'm like, you do what you do this. And it's like, yo, you know, can I talk to you a little bit? Can you can you feed me a little bit? And so that's that's kind of my my process and identifying a mentor. Okay, that makes a lot of sense, because that's when you're involving yourself in those groups. And that's one thing I talk about with the lounge and lots of stuff like that is. Finding finding places that you can go to that create these kind of environments, environments bro. where you can meet other people that are not like you, that have other experiences that you can learn and grow from. Because that's one of the main reasons I started this podcast, because I sit and have, I mean, everybody thinks this is like, I mean, I'm trying to remember and bring up certain conversations you and I have had right, over right, the last right, right. two years. There's been a handful. But... These are conversations that we just sit and naturally have. I mean, it's not as question-oriented and directly related to doing a show, but these are things we talk about or that I hear you, you know, I'll overhear you having a conversation with somebody and, hey, man, 
you mind if I ask you about this? And, you know, hey, tell me a little bit about this. Like, I, I'm interested. Like, yeah. you know, educate me a little bit on X, Y, Z. And yep. you're more than happy to always share that information yeah. and do that. And there's so many different opportunities that, that I always encourage people to find environments like that that you can put yourself in. Because I think that's the key to, like, Man. you having personal growth and success and being exposed to different things. Man, being in the right environment will either accelerate your growth or stunt your growth. Yeah. So being in the right one or the wrong one. Yeah. You know, and, uh, you know, I remember I had an athlete a long time ago for my first company, went to Stanford, played running back. We used to come back to Indiana and challenge me. I said, what you like most about Stanford? He's like, it ain't the education, it's the space that I walk in. It's the opportunity. And I always tell somebody, if you're not happy with your space, change it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? If it's not feeding you, change it. And uh, so, yeah, I, I, you know, even for me, like when I moved out here three years ago to Dallas to move my business here, the lounge is one of the first places I found where I, you know, just to have peace, decompression, yeah, get with, you know, quality men to just kind of vibe and talk. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so uh, industrial has been great to me. And, you know, I like Pops and the Franks family. They're good people. Yeah, I agree 100%, 100% on that. What, uh, man, I totally lost my train of thought. That was you had, where you had me there. Uh, what, man, I hope, I'm going to bring this up because this is one of those things where you and I had a talk. <laughs> this is one of those deep conversations you and I had. Okay. And I want to get you, I mean, we can, can we, we have this on here? Huh? Can we talk about it on here? Yeah, yeah. Okay. We talk about it. We can cuss. <laughs> we can do whatever we really want. I mean, within a certain realm. Right, bitch? <laughs> no comment. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, I asked you a question one time, and I'll you know, share it with everybody else because, I mean, I, I want to know, and I want to challenge people to, to think about this more because I couldn't believe that at this day and age – people still thought like this on certain things, but I asked you one time, I was like, do you have any white guys that you represent? And you were like, I mean, I have, but for some reason, a lot of guys don't relate or have faith in taking advice from a, a man of color. Mm-hmm. Are Do you think that's changed at all in the last few years? Or like, do you think, because to me, there's things that you're exposed to that I'm not exposed to. And there's things I'm exposed to that you're not exposed to. I would want to learn about all of that and find, find lanes within all of that. So what, what, is, what are your feelings now on that? Do you think that's shifting? Do you think that's changing? Yeah, think so it's let, still status quo? So let me first say, uh, like you and others, I have very close white friends. Yeah, I mean, some and, of your partners, and, and, too. And my partners and so on and so forth. Um, and I think that, you know, one man's experience doesn't have to be everybody's experience. Yeah. You know, and so I will say that based on my experience, um, I feel like sometimes consciously and then sometimes subconsciously, it's depending upon where you were raised and where you come from. Yeah. It may be hard for uh, a young white man that's going to the league or whatever that. Uh, especially if he comes from a well-off home, right? Yeah. Uh, that, you know, you haven't seen, you probably haven't seen a black financial advisor. You probably haven't seen a black CEO. Yeah. 
You probably haven't went to a black doctor. That's not your normalcy. Yeah. And so I think that subconsciously for a young man, it's not that they're racist or anything like that. Right. But I think that you might question. Yeah. You know, like, man, what is their aptitude the same? Can they absolutely? And even if the young man in the new age feels co- pretty comfortable, the probability of his parents feeling the, the same comfort yeah. is, is probably lacking. So when you, you know, I will tell you that when you look at um, the NFL, the MLB, you'll see a lot of young men um, that are black represented by white men. You'll see all the time. What about I, some, the, some, I got, I'm, I'm, I'm great yeah. friends with some great white agents. They yeah. represent black, and they do a phenomenal job. But you won't see a lot of white men. But do you see this changing with the... Because uh, you have a lot more mixed families now. And this younger generation that's coming into the drafts and stuff now. And like a lot more... I mean, I think culturally that mixture is shifting and changing. So yeah. do, you, do you see I think, that I think, growing I, a little I, more? I, I think that probably doesn't... I think what I'm saying probably doesn't apply as much to mixed families. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But if it's not a mixed family, I think it could be a challenge. And again, this is not an absolute. This is not no, across I- the board. It's just an experience and what I think uh, could be a challenge. So for me, I'm a high discerning person. I can discern if I, if I recruit a certain white young man and I walk in the home. Yeah. I can feel real quick that not only do I have to prove that I'm good in my job and whatever, I have an extra hurdle. Excellent. That I have to that I have to go over, and I got to make a business decision when seventy percent of the NFL is black. That do I really even want to? Do I uh, want to continue to deal with that? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I completely understand. What uh, what what are some of the lessons you've learned from some of your early clients? Like what what are some <laughs> things that have like that surprised you that maybe. They showed you or they taught you, you know, like, because, I mean, you've had, I mean, you're, you're building quite the roster, quite the roster nowadays. So yeah. I'm sure there's some maybe funny, maybe just, you know, or just solid good lessons that you're, you've taken from them. Man, um, you know, they're all there's there's lessons from all of them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um when I think about guys, you know, even like one of my young guys, Blake Fisher. Yeah. He's going to be an All-American. He's going to be a first-round pick next year. I don't know the name if he decides to come out. And crazy personality, you know, comes from a great family, very articulate, just very, very well-rounded. Sky Moore is probably the most creative uh, client I have. He's like a creative genius, like, you know, from a standpoint of, just anything with Sky. Like, you got to be smart to be able to put up with Andy Reid. I'm just saying. I said that. He did not say that. I said that. <laughs> right, right. Appreciate, <laughs> appreciate that. Yeah, clarify that. But I just think that, you know, from his artistic and his clothes to video to music to, you know, you saw him rap after the game. If you saw that, that go viral. Was, that was funny. It was dope. And so, you know, Sky just has that. Um, Jalen Smith is a master I want to see him rap with Travis Kelsey. By Travis the way. Kel- hey, that's his boy. I know, I know. That's you told boy. me. I want to see them. Like, I think they need to do a little, like, I don't know, TikTok or Instagram. Like, it'd be live. I want to see that. Like, I live. just think it's gonna be like something. Yeah, y'all know he's on Saturday Night Live this weekend. Who Kelsey is? Yeah, oh, he's is hosted he really? Saturday Night Live. Nice. Yeah, yeah. He, he Kelsey's dope, bro. Yeah, yeah. I'm he sure got the he is. Kelsey's dope. You know what I'm saying? Kelsey had a black girlfriend. 
broke up with her. You know what I mean? Kelsey's dope. He has the beard gang going. Yeah. Like, he's the GOAT at tight end. Like, Kelsey's, I mean, Kelsey's everything, yeah. bro. Kelsey's mm-hmm. everything. You know, the one thing that me and you talked about, which you turned me on, and it's more about, so you have so many things going on. You're dealing with so many different personalities, young, old parents and all that. How do you maintain your level of sanity when you do this? And you introduced me. Everybody knows about energy vibrations (laughs) and all that. But a couple weeks ago, we had a nice conversation. (laughs) If you guys all know this, Every time you talk to Mike, it ends up being a deep conversation it's deep, about deep, like, everything. Everything. Like, I, I literally got to thing. Like, Stop. I talked to this dude about the paint on his car, and we ended up discovering <laughs> the beginning of the universe. Yeah. But um, okay. No, but he, he suggested two books with what I do, being a creative, and then how I was a little off, and he says, yo, you got to read this book on vibrations. And... It's true. When you think about even when you and I, Garrett, talk yeah. and you're frustrated and you freaked out, if we light up a cigar, everything chills out. Man, say so, so say, mention about your journey with how you discovered your energy, your vibrations and things like that and how that keeps you kind of level headed, especially in the arena that you play in. Yeah, that's really good. Uh, so a lot of things. So like. I think a lot of it I learned from my uncle being very, um, very meek. You know, he was meek. He had to deal with prime time. I mean, right, 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 right. He did. He did. He was, he was featured heavily in his book, money, power, and sex, but you know, he was very meek. You know, a lot of people go into this industry to work in this industry and either players don't play for the love of the game. They play for what the game gives them. A lot of people that are in my position to work in the game, they want to work in it because of the clout and the hype. I'm not attracted to that stuff. It don't feed me. I don't I don't have a desire for it, right? I'm purpose-driven in what I do. And so I think for me, man, um, my team knows now the first three hours of my day are mine. I don't take meetings. I don't do anything. I'm waking up. I'm walking. I'm meditating. I'm praying. I'm reading. My first three hours, bro, it's mine. And, and so I got to feed myself because I feed so many people, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm a single man, you know, looking to find my queen and whoever it is, they got to be able to feed me with energy, right? It got to be peace because I'm called to pour into a lot of people and I can't be coming home to, you know, not a peaceful situation. Can't have an empty cup. Can't, How you going to pour right. into somebody you ain't got nothing to give? Right, right, right. And so, and I think humbly speaking, even when it comes to that, you know, even just with dating with women to learn, I've grown a lot emotionally. You know, I've always been a very get it done. You didn't get it done. No excuses. And I've kind of I've kind of softened up and, you know, <laughs> kind of, you know, balanced in that. But to your point, when I recommended the book, you know, uh, Vibrate Higher Hi, Daily, yep. you know, very powerful on, you know, nonverbal communication, you know, energy. You can say that you're fine, but you're really not. You know, what are the, you know, those cues give off? And so then I started really, you know, evaluating my own energy. And so I'm a big Eckhart Tolle guy, you know, with New Earth Awakening, you know. And so from Eckhart to understanding the ego, right, I'm really big on the ego. Uh, Managing my own first and recognizing it and dealing with others. And then now with the energy of understanding those things. So, like, for me, man, um, 
it's all about balance, you know? And I think that sometimes we want to put people in boxes, you know? Like I had to get on one of my guys the other day about Sky, you know? After he won that Super Bowl, Sky turning up, you know, Sky energetic, you know? I got to mentor him. I got to coach him. I got to develop him, but I ain't trying to change him. I'm trying to let him evolve. I accept the man that he is and who he is, and he's going to know that. But at the same time, I'm going to help him evolve. And I think that's the difference of we don't need to put everybody in boxes. That's the issue we got with white and black. That's the issue mm-hmm. we got with all this other stuff. Absolutely. And, and you got to be comfortable with that, man. And so um, just because something ain't packaged like you, don't think like you, you know, don't mean it's wrong. You know what I'm saying? Right. So since you touched on it, what does a day in your life look like? And how do you <laughs> how do you maintain your day? I mean, are you are you a very are you a very scheduled person? Like is everything on a schedule or is some of your day? Because I mean you you just said the first three hours are mine. That's mine to wake up, walk, meditate, read do my own personal thing to keep my sanity. And that's the first thing. So that starts at what time, what time do you typically get up? Start really oh, getting bro, to it. I don't, Are you know, like an early bird? Are you like a 5 a.m. or? It depends. It depends, like, you know, because my first three hours are to me. So yeah. really, I just let my spirit kind of, like, sometimes I can get up really early. I, when, it's, when it's Texas heat out and it's out here, I love walking in my neighborhood. I go, I go walk to a gazebo and I pray and I meditate on that kind of stuff. Um, you know, I just got into boxing, so now I'm starting to box to get back in shape, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, but I, my, a couple of things that make me vibrate is, you know, walking. I love reading. When I read, I vibrate. I vibrate, I vibrate high. I smoke cigars. I vibrate high. Meaningful conversations like this, yeah. while I always go deep unintentionally, yeah. is because it's a love language. It, I go, I vibrate high. So, um, so in those things, to answer your question, because I manage so many people's enterprises and I manage my own business, you know, and, and I know some people struggle, struggle with me that are uh, fluid and spontaneous, I'm extremely structured. Like, I live off my calendar. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I live off my calendar. Um, I live days and weeks out in advance. I structure. I leave room for balance and peace. But then, you know, so I'm very objective-driven there's a great book that we operate our company by called The One Thing. And so we operate on that. Like, what's the one thing I have to get done every week? What's the one thing I have to get done today to win my day? And so I'm very structured like that. So is your, do you keep, but do you keep your whole day like that? Do you, I mean, because obviously you got to keep. No. And I found for high, highly successful people, highly active, highly motivated, however you want to word it, and people that accomplish a lot in a day. They're, the way they set up the day, the way they attack their day varies greatly. There, there is, to me so far, most have a good amount of structure, allow for flexibility because you never know what's going to come up in a day. But would you say that like 70% of your day is highly structured and you leave 30%? To really just go and flow with things or or more or less of that. I have to because I have team members and clients that are going to call me with problems. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That I have to solve a lot. So I have to be able to, I can't be overloaded and I can't be operating in a, my team and I talk about this, I can't operate, I can do a little bit of administration work, but I can't operate in things that's going to make me vibrate so low because I, 
what I'm good at, I have to be able to vibrate. If a problem happens, I got to be able to think clearly, have to solve the problem, I have to come and think. And if I spend three hours of my day doing administration work, yeah, you know, I'm going to be on a low vibration. And then what I'm good at, I can't perform at. So I do leave that space of like 30%. I'm going to tell y'all right now, if you come in the lounge and you see him with his headphones on, <laughs> leave the man alone. Yep. He's, Don't he's solving some shit. He's vibing in his own head, figuring it out. Because the minute you see them come up, and it's it's always this magic little moment. Like, somehow <laughs> the up. noise canceling just goes out <laughs> enough that he hears us talking about something. He's like... Yo, wait a minute. Did you just say oh, that's funny, XYZ? Bro. And then you are now, and we are about to go down the mic train. <laughs> and we are going to talk deep about whatever little tidbit he caught somehow when he was, like, zoned out in his world. But he still heard this. That's funny, bro. That's so you. Like, I mean, like, Man, that's why you, like Why are you, you observing me like that, bro? Dude, I, I just, I mean, like, I think it's awesome. And I, I it, how you... I love having these conversations with you because, like, again, every time we get into them, I, I vibe higher off of having a deep, meaningful conversation that. and learning something. And every time one of those moments happens, I'm like, yes, here we go. We're about to get some golden nuggets from Mike. <laughs> something happened. Something just clicked. And maybe he just heard X, Y, Z, and it helped him, like, put that little piece in the last bit of the puzzle. And now he's ready to talk about it because it's – it's probably spinning off of that other thing you're trying to solve or work with and you want to know more about it because you're about to dive off over here and it just happens to be that weird yeah. vibe that I happened just, and I you just, heard it. I just feel like, man, to your point on the 70-30, right? Yeah. I, I'm glad you said that because I just think it's all about, I'm going to keep saying it, it's about balance. Yeah. And I think that whether if it's you, whether if it's me, whether if it's biz, like we got to leave room for our creativeness. You know what I'm saying? For our growth. And and if we don't leave room for that, bro, we don't we just don't expand, right? We just can't be out here just doing. Mm. Just doing. You know what I mean? Like You don't have any purpose at that point. Like if you're just well, you're I like keep, an order taker. You're just you're not you're not <laughs> right. really you're not doing anything creative. Yeah, you know you're not si feeding the soul. Simon Simon Sinek talks about the golden circle, right? The why, the how, and the what. You know what I'm saying? Like I like a, a, one of my advisors, Rob, said at our symposium last year. Biz was there. Yep. And uh, he was dope and, you know, you know, very, very, very successful. And Rob said, you got to go five wise deep. Five wise deep. You know, when you want to do something, ask yourself five times why. Five times why am I at this podcast? Five times. Boom, boom, boom. Ask yourself why. And so it takes you to a deeper level. I'm, I guess that's why I'm so deep all the time. I'm going five wise yeah. deep. Yeah. But That's it's, why it took me since like September last year when I started this to get Mike <laughs> pinned down and confirmed. I, I, I was processing. He asked himself for five months, why, <laughs> why, why? That symposium was so difficult because I was in charge of capturing it media-wise. Yeah. So I'm holding a camera in one hand and I got pen in my notebook in the other hand trying to do both because like the stuff that was delivered at this thing, like you said, whether you're an athlete or not, it was the basic common sense things that were being delivered. Yeah. I was like, and to see all these athletes, Sky, Jalen, all of them was sitting there, notebooks, notepads, iPads, everybody was yeah, out man. taking notes. 
taking it all in. I, I got to go to this symposium the next time he has one. Like, I definitely want to be there to witness this. I mean. Yeah. I've had, you know, I've had close friends and different people that I trust and love, you know, challenge me on, like, um, I don't know. And I'm always open to good, honest feedback, constructive criticism. They're like, Mike, you know, um, are you caught up in people's status or how much money people got or, you know, and if you know me, uh, I'm not. Like, you know, I don't even know what half the people in the cigar lounge do. I don't know what they're worth. I don't know how much they make. I really don't give a damn. Like, you know, my uncle taught me, my uncle that's one of my mentors that taught me to read and challenge my thinking. I swear, bro, for half my life, I didn't even know what my uncle did for a living. Yeah. I don't even know what he did because his, and his whole thing was like, most of us, when we talk to people, we say what we do because we identify with it. My uncle yeah. said, I don't tell people what, what I do so they can't put me in a box. You know? Wow. And so, so my whole thing is like, because I've been taught on that, but what I am attracted to is people that, like this right here, I'm, yeah. I'm, this, I'm attracted to people who want to learn, want to grow. It, 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 I don't know what you're worth, and it really don't, because what you're worth isn't just based on finance. Yeah. That's the confusion. That is a part of a worth. But a part of your worth is also your spirit, your, your heart, your, your knowledge, you know, all those different things. It's just not monetary. And so for me, you know, I attracted that to where someone can feed me. I can feed them, man. That's yeah, emotional IQ, too. Man, you man. know, it's not just exactly. a financial IQ. It's emotional IQ. It's how you deal with people, how you talk about I mean, I think it's funny. Y'all probably know I'm wearing a button-up collared shirt. For probably the first time on my podcast, I because I didn't recognize him when he walked crazy, in, bro. I mean, if they could shoot a shoe <clears throat> game right now, everything, the whole <laughs> thing is there, bro. Well, I wasn't gonna let you outdo me either. I knew you were coming in from no, the I combine. Don't, I, don't, I don't have no swag, bro. Bullshit. Like, I'm working on it. He's, bro. he's lying, y'all. He I'm is working. Lying. I don't, bro. I knew he was gonna come you in. Y'all can't another. see my face off camera <laughs> with the twisted lips. Like, I, I don't know what emoji it is I'm giving you right now, but. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm getting that mind blown, business is popping his head off emoji right now. But yeah, yeah, I was like, man, he's coming in from the combine. He's been meeting with people. I was like, man, no, everybody knows. I mean, I'm, I'm a t-shirt and jeans guy, you know. Like, I was just gonna come here wearing t-shirt and jeans. I was like, no, nah, I can't do it. I finally got Mike to come on the show. I can't come in here and be sitting here in a t-shirt and he's getting fresh off the plane coming from the combine. Man, I was bro. like, whew, I can't do we, it. I, I hope we get some views on this thing. We can, I can't disappoint, though. We got to get some views on this. Oh, man, it's growing. Right, it's so growing. I have a question. How many chapters of your book have already been written? Oh, yeah. My, you know my book? No, I know you're writing one. There's no way, and we haven't discussed this or said this, y'all, but there's no way with the experiences and lives that you had, where you're growing, mm -hmm. that you haven't started, you haven't planned, or there's a manuscript on something somewhere yeah. in your spot. So, I have a, I, I've, uh, I've thought about it. I have some stuff written out. But one of the things I'm big on, I always refer back to my Uncle Virgil, man. He's just been probably the biggest depositor into my life, you know, in my... In my older age, uh -huh. I think in my grand, my younger ages, it was kind of like my grandfather mm -hmm. and my my dad and, and a little bit my uncle Eugene before he passed away, unfortunately. But my uncle Virgil has been the one that challenges me, makes me grow, whatever. And one of the things he told me, if I talk to y'all right now, I talk to Biz, and someone tells me a book, I, I get it off of Amazon, I just put it in my my shelf. But my uncle always said, "Don't read just to read. Read based on what your spirit tells you." Right, yeah. so I'm gonna get the book, but I'm gonna let my spirit lead me. 
to where should I be reading this right now or should I be reading something else? So I say all that to say, I have a vision for a book, but it's not the season. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm waiting to when it's the right season. Like, you know, even with doing a podcast, this is my third podcast I've done this month or in the past, you know, three weeks. I haven't done a podcast in four years. Now, I used to have one way a long time ago. I used to speak publicly. I stopped speaking because when I speak, I'm going to be authentic. Yeah. And so I was in a situation where I'm like, hey, I'm going I'm to stop. And right now, I like to say I'm pregnant with a lot of stuff. I've been, I've been stewing and whatever, and now it's time to birth. And so now, I, you know, part of the reason why I didn't get on the podcast was because it was about the sensitivity of my spirit of when is the timing. And so right yeah. now, I've been pushed where it's timing where I'm, I'm getting out here, I'm sharing what we do, who I am. And um, so I think eventually the book, the, book, the book will come here when it's when Well, it's and time. you've gotten a comfort level with what it is you're doing, what you represent. Yeah. Your company's at a point where yeah. you're not the new guy on the block. Yeah. You know, you're not you're not out there really just having to grind, grind for business. Yeah. Now business is getting a little bit easier. A little bit. Because people know who you are and what you're doing. Yeah. They don't think you're some fly by night guy faking to be an agent <laughs> or, yeah. you know, trying to, you know, pull fast one over on one of these young up and coming players. Yeah. You know, people know your character. They know where you're coming from. Yeah. And that's gotta feed into it. Yeah. I mean it, I'm sorry it, we're not as hot as like Lady Jade and stuff, you know, you know I mean I know you just did the big Lady Jade show, so I mean, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. He no. put us off a week for that, by the way. I'm, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, I would, too. I mean, I, I would, too. I mean, I'm, I'm not just, lying. I mean, Lady J called me. Your priorities in line. You're going to be without a producer for one night. <laughs> right, 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 right. Ah, uh, yeah. See how he does me, y'all? I'm nah. going to use PTO. I'm going to call in sick. PTO. <laughs> Come on, bitch. You see where Biz loyalty at. No, we had an agreement because last time Biz was sick, he came in here. I thought he was going to die over there. I was, I was here. like, bro, we can do, you know what? Because a throwback. You, I know, but if you, if you are that sick, bro, I don't want to be sick. I mean, I don't get sick very often, but I, I mean, he literally looked like he was dying over I there. I saw the light twice that night. I mean, but we, we, we reeled it back in. Yeah, Biz does not call in sick. Like, that does not happen. Biz does not mess up his schedule. Biz is on point. Like, but to that point, I'm trying to figure out my vibration because I'm spending too many damn plates. Yeah. And one failed the other week, and I was like, oh, hell, what was that? So it's like, you know, you just have to figure out. Um, I'm taking an assessment test later on tonight to figure out what are my strengths. And once you figure out once your core strengths are, Come on now. that'll let you know the things that you can't do or not meant to do, you delegate them to somebody else. Yeah. So you can focus on what value you can bring to yourself, your family, or others you decide to serve. Yeah, one of the, one of the tools we use through uh, EOS that one of my clients invested in. What is EOS? Uh, the Entrepreneurial Operating System. Okay. And so I have a book called Traction. And so one of my clients. I got that book. Yeah. I haven't read it, but I got that. Okay. So sorry. one of my clients invested in that. Jalen Smith's an investor into that. Okay. A long time ago. Great investment for him. But we use them on our companies in one of the tools that we use, what Biz is talking about, is a thing called Elevate Delegate, mm -hmm. right? Or Delegate Elevate, my apologies. And so with that, it's really that when you delegate the things that you don't enjoy, you elevate. And so it's really identifying what those are to delegate and then elevate uh, in what you do. But you have to have an identif identification of, of what those things are first. We fail so much trying to guess 
you really needed a tool to, to, to let you know what's going on. I mean, you may think you ain't going to have a heart attack, but you find a couple of tools that's going to let you know you're about to, you'll listen to it. You know, I may think my strengths are one thing, but when you look at something that's proven that can tell you it's another, right. I think it also helps because it gives you a fresh perspective of yourself. Yeah. And then you're more energetic to follow a new path. Because, you know, when you wake up in the morning and see the sun, the birds, it feels like a clean slate. And when you have that clean slate, what we talked about earlier, you can tackle everything first thing in the morning because you're at your sharpest and you're at your freshest. Right. But at least know what it is you're going after when you do it. Man, exactly, bro. Exactly. So, yeah, man. What are some of the tools? Are there tools or specific tests? Like, I know when my mother worked at MHBT, um, they put everybody through, I'm going to call it, I mean, I'm going to get this totally wrong. This is not correct, but basically like a wonderlick test, you know, where it identifies what you're really good at, what your weaknesses are, stuff like that. Do you go through a process like that with your clients? Is there stuff you specifically use yeah. or recommend yeah, for do. people that that one of us could go out and find this test or get this test and like elevate ourselves and find find those things out for ourselves? Yeah, we we use a handful of personality assessments. You know, obviously you hear about the Myers Briggs all the time, and yeah, that's we, it. That's we, what they use. Yeah, we use one called Work Styles, Live Styles, and then Tommy um, Tommy Shavers um, in Nestry. Uh, Nestry is a company based in Orlando, uh, Florida, that Jalen Smith invested into that uh, Tommy's uh, getting a lot of looks. I was telling you guys about it earlier. I just had a deep conversation with him. He's talking to all the NFL teams, all this stuff, where really it's about mental development, mental health. And so that's what he's doing, but he's doing mental health uh, scientifically, right? So we talk about mental health by communication. Tommy Shavers and Nestry talks about mental health from a scientific approach, and he is amazing. So uh, I'm going actually with some of my clients to Orlando to go visit Nestry so that they can get tested, get the feedback scientifically mm-hmm. on who they are, how they tick, all those kind of different things. So definitely shout out to Tommy and Nestry. Yeah, I'm going to have to look that up. That sounds absolutely amazing. That's yeah. See, that's the kind of stuff I love. I love hearing about and learning about because if you can find some tool or something like that, that really gives you that kind of perspective on you, your spirit, your personality. There's so much knowledge to gain from that. And, and and surrounding yourself with people like yourself and Biz and others, you know, we kind of give each other some of this feedback naturally around here. But, you know, I, I like to have that for the audience as well, that, you know, finding those things because... Getting that kind of feedback, you know, Biz and I had a one-on-one tonight because any of y'all that watched last week's show, you know, Randy is a powerhouse in the podcast universe and in Bourbon Mm -hmm. universe. And Randy, I went to high school with, he's a good friend of mine. He deeply challenged me and gave me a whole lot to think about after last week's show. It rocked my world. Really? Yeah. This yeah. dude I mean, was in crushed a, in a when he left. very good way. Like, in a very good way, but yet. When I say crushed, time, I don't mean like in a bad way. Like he said, he was just like. It made me question everything. Yes. It was a Because floodgate. it was a whole different perspective than the way I've been looking at my podcast, which is not my day to day business. You know, like, 
I don't do podcasting for a living. This is something I enjoy to do. Right, it's a passion. And, that, you know, it's a passion because I like having these meaningful conversations with people, and I think that others can gain from it. So learning how to take that and grow it and share it with more people is my biggest challenge. And in, in voicing that and discussing that and how Randy took his show from where my show essentially is now four years later and trying to digest the information he's sharing with me and trying to not have some of the same pitfalls, trying to take that in, have more direction, fine tune our plans and, you know, do all that. He literally blew my mind. I mean, like I wasn't crushed like Viz says and like a, he just told Not me, in a bad way. My show is shit, and no, you know, like no. this all sucks, and you should just go back to doing your day job. It was like, wow, there's. I mean, I thought I was just really starting to figure a lot of these things out, and in reality, there's all these other perspectives that I hadn't even really thought about, or considered, or contemplated. And man, I mean, I went home, and I, I mean, I couldn't even sleep that night. Like, that's I, I what was, I mean by crushed. It I'm, was I'm so much here information all night long, and like, all right, what do I think about this? What do I think about that? How? Who can I talk to about this? How can I do this? How can I make this happen faster? How can I do these things? And it was like, it was growth, you know. And I immediately, like, the next morning, I was like, Biz, yo, we got to have a meeting next week. Like, let's have a pre-show meeting. What day? Unfortunately, Biz was like in and out of town. I was like, all right, fine. This day, we're having a meeting and like me and Biz said, we, we did that for an hour and a half tonight before any of this happened. And we sat there and, you know, really went through that. And I mean, I got more of Biz perspective because Biz was involved in that conversation. So he got to sit there and take that in. He had a little different perspective than I did. He was able to ask me questions this spurred further thought and contemplation, but yet then I gave it back to him in a certain way of where I was at. You know, and, and we're going back and forth with it. You know, so like that's the stuff I love, and like I'm curious because you do that all day long for a living. Yeah, I, I, you know what I think is so dope about that. You know, to listen to you having the humility, right? Yeah, and the openness to receive whatever that those constructive criticisms were to digest them. Yeah. To get with biz, you identify some things, you discuss it, and then you get to solving. Yeah. That's what we call it, right? And so, but sometimes your ego won't allow that. I, one of the books I read talked about how um, the person who actually is wrong in a conversation is the person who's winning. Yeah. Because if you're always, if you're always right, you're never learning. Yeah. Right. And so when you when you go to an approach of conversation of going, if I talk to you and you are actually right and I'm wrong, I won. Yeah. You won that day. Yeah. Right? You won. If you wouldn't have went in that and you wouldn't have been wrong, you would not have won. So I think that is the thing for me, man, when you can put that aside and talk to people and you can receive. Uh, some people want to be right and some people want to be effective. Yeah, but... But failures are also growth opportunities. Failures are lessons. And what in in that too. What so since we're there, what are some of the biggest failures that taught you the greatest lessons? Bro, come on. Like man, come on, bro. Uh, Like what is something you thought was the right way early on with your business? Be be it the one you sold. Are you talking about business personal? 
Both. It could be both. What, I mean, whatever, whatever, whatever comes made to made an impact I mean, on you. What made an impact on you to change the direction? That you thought this was the right way. You had you had to learn this lesson the hard way, I, and now all of a sudden I would say you learn and grew from it. My approach, being a you know having my son at eighteen, and uh, how I raised my son in certain facets, as far as like wanting pushing him, wanting too much for him and stuff. Uh, as a father, um, you know, I, until I read a book, my uncle sent me. It was too late. My uncle, my son was eighteen at that point. I was like, damn. Wish I could have got that book ten years ago. So I, <laughs> anybody I know, I, you know, I always recommend. But, um, you know, I think my son. I got divorced. You know, after being married for sixteen years, and you know, some of that just wasn't the right fit. But then some of it was, you know, shit I did. You know right. what I'm saying? And you learn from that. Now that you get out into the, uh, to dating at forty years old. You know what I mean? Oh, I gotta, can't even imagine. You gotta look at yourself the hard oh. way. But, but, yeah, it's a different game out here. But, you know, so I think I think in that, and then I think just in my first business, man, you know, I ran that business for 15 years, um, sold a majority of it, um, had some good ups and downs, partnered with some people that had some good up and downs, you know, went through some almost litigation type like stuff, you know, just different things. And, man, those kind of things are what, I wouldn't be the entrepreneur. I wouldn't be the leader. I wouldn't be able to solve problems. Like, that shit was hell. But, you know, when you look at it now, you know, wisdom comes from experience. You can't gain wisdom without experience. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's Absolutely. why these great quarterbacks in the playoffs, you get these young dudes that all y'all be geeked on in fantasy football through the regular season, <laughs> and then they get into the postseason and they garbage because they ain't got no wisdom. They don't got no experience. You know, I heard someone say that wisdom is knowing what not to do. Right, and you can't know what not to do until, unfortunately, you do some things wrong. And so, I just kind of think about those things. So, how hard is it? We had a conversation earlier, and this is a problem I have. I have a fourteen-year-old. Yeah. And being fifty-one, relating to a fourteen-year-old. Yeah. It's hard. So, like a DJ, everybody knows a DJ. So when I'm DJing events, playing half the shit they listen to, I'm dying <laughs> inside slowly. Take my headphones off. I go to the bathroom and come back. Okay, record's almost over. Let me get back to the real. But do you find it difficult with a little bit of a, you know, you're 40, and you're now talking to 19, 20, 23-year-olds. Is it, is it hard to deliver that message where my grandmother used to always tell me, I'm just trying to tell you I've already been to where you're trying to go. So I'm trying to help you so you don't have to bump your head like I did because I've already traveled that path. But is it hard to get that message to your clients, especially the younger ones, because of the generational gap? Or do you find them to be a lot more savvy than we give them credit for to listen to the advice or to understand the path that you're going or try to put them on? Yeah, so Jay Bass usually works with those guys. Ah. Uh, (laughs) He delegates that is what I just heard. Because you know that's your strength or the way you may deliver it or your relate, the way you can relate. Yeah, Jay thinks like a 40-year-old, but he's really 28, right? Mm. And so, but, you know, he can relate with those dudes and do whatever. You know, I ain't got no ego. Like, I can recruit a guy. And I can sign the guy, and he can be a first-round pick. But then if I recruit him and I get him, and I think Jay Bass is better for him from a relationable standpoint, you know what I'm saying? We just delegate because we're a team, and it's about 
you know, it's all about the effectiveness of, you know, getting the job done and who can most relate. And one thing I found is like, and, and, and uh, you read this biz in uh, Vibrate Higher Daily. Mm-hmm. It talks about the wrong person. Don't make the wrong person isn't a bad person. The wrong person just ain't the right person for you. Yes. And so when you look at that, you know, I no longer look at it that way. Like the wrong person don't mean that they're a bad person. It's just not a good fit for me or I'm not a good fit for them. And I have no ego in that. A lot of people in my industry, man, when you lose clients or they don't, they recruit them and they don't get them. They just be like so emotional and whatever. I don't be on that. Like I, 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 you know, I get with a dude. They don't sign with me because I go into it that I don't think they need. My ego's not big enough to think that you need me to be successful. I think I add a value, right? But my value is only as good as you see. You know, I can't force you to see value in me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You can't force your woman to see value in you. You can't control that. Either she sees it or she doesn't. You know. So yeah. I just think, man, when you manage the ego and do the shot, and you got, you can't, man, you can't force someone to see something in a season that's not meant for them to see it, either. So you know, I, you know, I just had we- this conversation with with the other sales guy at my company that I do my day job. You know, he's a younger kid. He 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 grew up in the construction industry. And Mason, shout out to you if you're actually listening. I doubt it, but we'll mm-hmm. throw it out there anyways. You're going to have to go back and listen to hear that I actually gave you a shout-out. <laughs> but, you know, I've told a lot of other sales guys that have worked at our company before. Right. Not that it got taken to heart, and it never worked out to where it was actually the right scenario. But there were times that, like, early on in my career, I've, I went after a client or a certain relationship and I realized, like, me and this guy do not vibe. Or this is a bad job. We need to walk away from this job. And then my, my bosses would say, why are we walking away from this? Well, here's all the information. I don't think this is a good deal. But any of y'all want, here's all the information you right. need to close this deal. This, this is what you need. If you want to pursue it, go right ahead. I, for me and personally, I don't think this is a good so deal. You, we've all heard the phrase, right? Yeah. We've all heard the phrase, all money ain't good money, right? Yeah. We we like to say that we don't try to recruit our own problems. Yeah. You know, exactly. you go and, and you, you get money up front, but it, that problem ain't worth the money. Yeah, you know some saying? headaches aren't worth it. And, yeah. you know, and it's the same thing I've told this other sales guy, and he's the first one out of all the different sales guys we've had. Him and I, it's a good, because he's kind of country. Okay. He he's a little different than me. You're not and, country. I'm not. I'm not country. You're not. No. I've been confused this whole damn time. Oh no! Nah, I thought you was know. a country bumpkin. No. I mean, like, I'm not country in the way that he's country. I mean, like, I I moved around every three Can't years. Can't you be a new up. new age country? Can like we put a spin on country? I mean, I probably do it. I mean, I mean, I'm down. I mean, I'll give it for you. But I mean, I'm either gonna vibe with people or not. Right. And that's kind of what I've told him. I was like, in the end, it's about the relationship you're building. Because mm-hmm. in the end, if you don't have a relationship with that client, it's not always the price. You know, like there is a price, and sometimes that job is about price. But in the end, whether you get that second look or the last look, some of that, that comes down to your relationship. And if I know consistently that me and X client are not vibing, but yet every time we're at XYZ event or they're around the other sales guy, like, 
all right, hey, let's have a conversation. Let's work this out. Let me make the introduction. Let me help you. I mean, because it's going to help all of us make money in the end. But if you actually vibe with this guy and have it, like, he's the first person in our the history of our company that, like, him and I actually have a shared client. Like, that is so rare in what we do. And other guys have said they, they should all be like that. Well, no, because you kind of like, it's still sales and it's competition and, you know, you've got time and energy invested and there can be some other things that tie in and twist that. But overall, when it comes down to a, a specific client, why would, I, why would I keep hanging on to a guy that's giving me very little and because deep down I know him and I just don't vibe on that same level. Like, as much as I want it. It's not going to be fruitful. It's not going to be fruitful. And I'm kind of just wasting my time and killing time because at the end of the day, we don't see things the same way or we don't vibe the same. And it's costing you vibration. And it's costing me a lot. I mean, <laughs> yeah. time, money, energy, yeah. whatnot. So, like, why not? If he is that fit, pass that on. I mean, if that other person is not that fit. The only way you're not going to do that is if you caught yeah. your ego and you're trying to prove people wrong. Exactly. But you can't do it. But if you can be And I've been guilty enough, of that too. You yeah, know, there's all, been times. We all have. We there's all been have. times where it's just like, no, nah, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not letting it in. Like, yeah. no, nah, I'm not doing it. Like, I'm going to keep fighting. Yeah. I'm going to keep. I'm going to keep been. keeping the game. I'm not giving this up. But. You know, he's the first one that I've been able to do that with. And we've, we've been able to share those things and be like, all right, hey, let's just share this account. Let's just see which way this shakes out. Because right now, neither of us are really there. Let's just handle it and see what, see what comes of it. So do you also, we always, we're talking about young, 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 young and fresh recruits. Do you deal with people that have been in the league for a while? Do we you do. get those and people that are on their way out that are looking for, how do I plan for my... Yeah, you know. Hey, you don't like, remember last it? week when we were trying to get in here and he like he strong armed us with a guy with one arm. I'm not going to name any names, but he was all he had a sling on and everything else, and I was still scared and intimidated. Like Mike's pushing us out, we're pushing him out, and he's like, "Hey, just because you only got one arm right now, don't think you can't still <laughs> handle on, business." Come on, come on, <laughs> come on, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude had eight sacks this year. He's a good player. But you, so you do deal with clients that have been in for yeah, a minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now, are actually, they easier, you think, because man, of their knowledge, or is bro, it harder? It's, it's interesting. That's a tough question, bro. So, like, think about it like this, right? Is it easier to build a house from scratch at the bottom and lay a good foundation, or is it coming to fix it later? Mm. You know what I'm saying? So in some regards, when we get vets, they have a lot more money, but most of the time they ain't coming to us if everything was Gucci. Yeah, that's right. That's so true. they coming to us like because we got to fix some things. So now we got. But are they more open? Well, sometimes you know they're they're open. Sometimes they're not. You got to come in and fix them some things. You got to tell them that you know woo woo. woo. And so what happens is this. We, you know I said this the other day. Uh, what's normal always isn't right, and what's right always don't feel normal. So it's some things they've been doing for a while that feel real normal. And then we got to help them change things, and it don't feel real right. Change like is uncomfortable. Back into the gym. It's uncomfortable. You got to change their mindset. Right. But, and, like, get them. but no, one of my old football coaches told me no change equals no change. 
You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so we kind of got to get to a point where we can do that with those guys. So, yeah, we work with vets, and we also do consulting for athletes to own businesses. A lot of them got the bread, but they don't have the structure or experience. They got the aptitude. It's just experience. And so we'll come in and kind of give them some tools, some structure, some advisement, some guidance, that if they got a business and it's not optimal, to try to help them get it to that point. Do you also – so you guys do – do you have one sport that's more prominent than the other, or do you advise athletes in all sports? Well, you know, you know, way back in my day, many, many pounds ago, I used to play football. So, you know, I come from that, having a training company, yeah. doing that, be my uncle. So that's my sweet spot as far as I know the game really well, better than probably uh, most uh, people walking on the streets. And so I can, I, you know, that's just by default. I you love know? that too when we have those deep football conversations. <laughs> but I love but, that. But but uh, basketball, I don't know a lick about. I just like LeBron. What about baseball? Either. And then baseball, I, I'm I'm garbage. Jay, but Jay Bass on the they basketball. make that bread though. Baseball. We, oh, well, we trying to get there. But, you know, <laughs> they I just make gotta, that I just bread. Gotta, said you need to think about baseball, Mike. Oh, we, we baseball, just, Mike. I don't need to be convinced. <laughs> but watching but, a baseball game is like watching a paint dry in a they, snowstorm. They need to cut that season in oysters. half. Like, let's let's just be real. They're doing a lot of things to speed up the game, but. If baseball would cut the season in half, I mean, it, it, same thing with basketball, I think. Like, basketball, look at all these players sitting out, not playing games. Like, that's going to start to have its toll and effect at some point, and it's going to force these leagues to really consider How are you going to make up that revenue? How are you going to make up that I revenue? I was just about to say, we just had the conversation about How you money. How that revenue? I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of creative ways to do this. <laughs> I mean, I have to really think about that. I mean, like that many games, but I mean, you go cut if, the games in half, sort of. So, so you no, don't cut the game in half. The volume, you got to increase the price. Even when the when the normal okay, season increase is, your TV deals and stuff. <laughs> I mean, they all said get away from cable and go to those independents, and now you got. 10 different subscriptions and you're paying more than you were paying just for that one. But think about I mean, it. It's all yeah. going up. When the yeah. regular season is over in any other sports, they just create another league and keep going. NFL's over, so now or, XFL is or over. Or here's this. Here, I actually, I got an idea. Shorten the regular season and then make the tournament for the playoffs and the championship a little bit bigger for baseball and basketball. That does not work for football. Although they just kind of did that with football. In but college. If, and, and, oh, you're talking about with the season? Yeah, with the season. If you shorten the basketball season and the baseball season, but, you know, let's just say basketball, say, you know, eight teams make it in. Let's make it 12 and make the little playoff bracket. Maybe there's more games in the playoff bracket. They're all seven-game series or whatever. Same thing with baseball. If you let the bracket be a little bit better, Who's hot right now? Who's going? You took, all right, you got 32 teams in baseball. Let's get down to the 16 best teams. You other 16 get to go sit over here. But these 16 are going to play, and we're going to have a legit series, like, for each one. Yeah. And, and, and break it down a little bit there. I'd rather watch the regular bowling. season down, and you have more play. How many people do not watch, I mean, like, me personally, baseball. Grew up playing it my whole life. Love baseball. I don't watch baseball during the regular season, except for very what key, you play, second base or key match shots. No, I played catcher, center field, oh, and second you base. Like a catcher, catcher, second base, and center field. Yeah. 
So I but had that's kind of true. I watch. I don't watch basketball regular season, but I love watching when it's the playoffs. But in baseball, yeah, me too. you watch. Me too. You watch yeah. select matchups. But how many people watch the playoffs and the World Series in baseball? You don't watch nope. shit when you else get to the World Series. Here. Yeah, see, so you only World Series. But if if those games meant a little more, you might watch some of that. True. You're not watching the regular season because there's a hundred and something games. It's Football ridiculous. has NFL has it mastered. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But you can't do that with baseball. But you got to find a way to reduce that a little bit to where your superstars aren't getting injured all the time. Yeah. You're thinking about player health, mental and physical, and get these guys where you're getting, even though you may have less games, you're getting better games. The quality goes up. Quality over quantity. Every, yeah, quality over quantity. Absolutely. But yeah. you got all these other sports. Like, here's the biggest sport. What's the biggest sport on the planet? Soccer. Exactly. You've got athletes like that. I don't know what they get paid if they get I don't really hear a lot about entrepreneurial <laughs> things in soccer. But I know they get paid. But, you know, we got FC Dallas. I don't know that. You got a lot of tennis is coming up. And golf players golf. been making that bread. Yeah. You know? So, but they're not... They're more niche, I guess you could say. Well, not yeah. soccer. Everybody. I just got to hire someone to work with them because I can't. I probably won't be able to relate with them. Right. But you know, but we you know get to that standpoint because I think that you got to be credible. What we do, we got to be relatable. So humbly, you got to have someone that knows that. Sport, it's not that, that time culture. yet. What did you just say earlier? Just like time. the book on creativity. I, said, I bought the book. I started reading. You said I haven't read it yet. I was like, wait a minute. You said you had it. Doesn't mean you read it yet. It's on the shelf waiting. Yeah. It's no different than I mean, this. Those sports is on the shelf. You guys, yes, man, those is. contracts are guaranteed. Those are that's insane money that goes around in baseball. So what the hell else do you do when you ain't doing what we've been talking about for an hour and a half? Besides smoke cigarettes and jam out on your headphones. Cigars. Cigars. Bro. Cigars. Yeah, yeah, you, cigarettes. Just, you just cursed. Man, I, I did. I love live music, bro. So like I love music. I love I'm always in a lounge. You know, I might be somewhere listening to we jazz. We got to talk later. Uh, or I might be at a sophisticated ratchet spot. Like, I'm balanced. Is you there a such thing? Like, yeah. A sophisticated ratchet yeah, spot? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, for they example, eloquently I'm, shoot I'm, each I'm other at the end? So when I, go I to think the, he's playing pickleball. So listen, pickleball. when I go to the crib tonight, right? When I leave and I go to the crib, I'm going to go watch uh, the last episode of uh, Yellowstone, right? Uh, you know, season five. And then right after that, I'm going to watch Snowfall. You know, so Snowfall. it is Tuesday. So, you know, Have you watched like, the Mayor of Kingstown yet? Watching it right now. Mayor of Kingstown? Oh, what's yep. that on? What's so the, the dude Taylor Sheridan Paramount. that does Yellowstone, he did. Have you watched Tulsa? Tulsa King? We just started that. Man, like, just Taylor Sheridan, dude, on, is man, a I'm genius. I'm Yellowstone right now, bro. <laughs> One thing They've already got time. two other series attached 1823 to 1823 and 1923. Ooh. Yeah, 1883. 1883 and 1923. Dope. Dope. All still tied to the Yellowstone. It's all, it's all the predecessors to Yellowstone. I'm letting him get some seasons what's, out. What's, what's, what's that streaming on? Which Paramount one? Plus. Paramount Plus. Man, that's too many of these streaming things. They hustling, bro. I got it. Yeah. I already feel like I got like I'm on like four or five of them things, and I'm paying cable. Yeah. Oh, well, man, you need, YouTube you TV, need to cut bro. the cord. Get rid of cable. Come on, bro. Get rid of cable. Well, I gotta watch my guys' games, bro. I need they to got the season passes on, on YouTube TV, man. Yeah. Hey, Jay, when you listen to this, you need to hook your boy up and teach him how to cut the cord, and you know, still be able to watch all his boys. You paying five hundred dollars a month to watch Yellowstone or some football hey, games? Put my business out there. Yeah, right, right, right. Oh, that that ain't no secret. Everybody <laughs> else doing it too. 
Got that mm. direct TV when the weather get bad, you gotta Man. pray you can watch something. Everybody be frozen until the storm is over. Mike right. still got that big satellite dish from like 1989. Mine is still sitting up on like, my house looks too. Looks like he's trying to look through a telescope at, at the, at <laughs> the on, Milky man, Way. Judging, man. We just gotta talk about judging people. You ain't here judging me on my hey, satellite. I'm getting a new roof put on in a couple of weeks. I'm like, hey man, can y'all take that direct <laughs> yeah. TV crap off get my that house? Get thing out of here. Yes. Yeah, no, for sure. It's been good. Right on. Well, man, what, uh, what, if you had to leave, you know, not, not wishing any ill will or anything, this is one of the questions we asked, but I feel like this is a good time to ask you. You, you mentioned your son just a minute ago. If you could leave him with one piece of advice, what would you leave your son with? Sheesh. That part. That part. Man, I'm, I'm picking up on these little phrases, man. These phrases, man. Um, I would say, woof, for my son, bro. Hmm. I would tell him to embrace who he is, right? Yep. You know, uh, em- embrace who he is. And then I would tell him to... Um, embrace who he is, love his family, and master finances. What what life lesson would you hope that he picked up from you? That you can do anything you put your mind to. You don't have to be the smartest person. You don't have to. If you if you commit to something, and you put your mind to it, you can get it done. When when you're when you're recruiting these uh, younger players, how what does that process look like for you? Do they find you, or do you? What's your scout? I guess what I'm asking: What's your scouting look like? What? How do you identify the player that you think you know? Especially when it's a young kid, some you know, eighteen to twenty-one year old that's coming out of college. Typically, how do you identify that player or person that you want to have a conversation with and that you want to consider doing work with? So we first, obviously, they're, play, they're, they're athletes. So let's just use football. That's our primary sport is we identify if we think this person is a person that can projectingly be a starter or a pro bowler at the next level, right? That's our kind of client. Top 100 draft pick or your starter. At the next level. Um, so that starts there. Then we identify, does this person have an interest in entrepreneurship? Starts there. Does this person have good character and do they value accountability? Um, are they more about building a legacy than they are enjoying their current life? You know, and so if all those things check off and they're coachable, you know, but that's a process, right? It uh-huh. starts with their good. Then as you get to know somebody, you kind of learn those things. And then one of the things we do now, because as we built our reputation and our brand, is referrals. If an agent or a close friend or someone tells me, Mike, he's not a rise guy, I don't even blink. I don't care if you're a top 10 pick. If someone I trust tells me, it could be you. You could be around someone, you know someone, and I'm like, yo, is he a rise guy? You're like, nah, he ain't. I, I, done, I sat on a whole podcast with you, listen to this, this dude don't fit. Yeah, I'm not so driven by wanting to sign him because of his potential that I'm going to recruit my own problem. So... A lot of it's um, assessing those things, and then it's just um, referrals, good referrals, good quality referrals. 
do are you being approached now? I mean, I know you don't do a lot in basketball or stuff like that. I'm going to use D1 and, you know, these these other select teams that, you know, come out now and you see these kids getting signed to letters of intent when they're in, like, junior high and high school and stuff like that. But now that you're going into baseball where baseball really starts in high school, are, are you seeing that you're being reached out to by the parents or – not people like at a at a much younger age, or is it still staying at the co- collegiate level? It's still collegiate. It's still collegiate, and we haven't jumped into baseball, basketball yet. But I think in the next twelve to twenty four months, we should be launching divisions in baseball and in basketball with someone that um, is experienced in those in those sports. Okay, and I don't think I've asked this yet. What what is it, what is your team? look like like tell us a little bit more about your team and the people that make up the team the the people that you put your your clients around what what does that consist of what 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 type what areas are you going into because I mean everybody's concerned about you know even people that don't have a lot of money that are trying to find ways to invest and grow you know, in the, in the type of economy we're in right now, they're they're looking at everything. So, what what does your team consist of exactly, and what what all are you trying to bring to the table right now in the current world? Yeah, so I would say we we have eight full time team members, uh, just to be high level. Uh, my executive team is myself, uh, Jay Bass, who um, comes from a finance background, has an undergrad and a master's in finance. He used to be a financial advisor, worked at a family office with athletes and entertainers, uh, very just relatable and intelligent guy, high IQ, high EQ. He's going to be a, a star in the industry, uh, Jay is. And then Annie Bailey has been with me from day one. She was my first team member, um, a very good friend. Annie is uh, a rising star from a female perspective in this industry. She's my uh, uh, my vice president of business operations. Okay. So she uh, she uh, and she oversees all of our client relations and then all of our back office business. So she oversees a team um, that that works with the guys day to day. And then Jay kind of with me, um, he helps from a business development standpoint of working with the guys on strategy, business, finance, so on and so forth. And then we have a team with client relations. We have a team with uh, Operations. We're building. Up, we're building out a finance arm with a VP of investment soon. So, yeah, well, that's awesome, man. Well, I'm gonna hit you up with our big question that we ask at the end of every show, and you can take this any direction you want. This is totally up to you. It can be something you've been wanting to get off your chest. It can be something you were inspired by from the show. Something that's currently on your mind, based on current circumstance, situation, whatever. But we ask everybody to give us their two cents. Because at the end of the day, we're talking about common sense. We're talking about the common sense that we all employ. You can either gain some common sense. You can learn some common sense. You know, not everybody has common sense. But what's something you would like to share with the audience? It's just words from Mike. Your two cents. My two cents... Um, embrace people that don't that are not look like you you know don't be afraid of things that are different 
people are different. Don't try to put people in a box. Don't don't be intimidated by people that have different views than you and different perspectives, different approaches. Why why are you passionate about that? Why why does that resonate with you? You know, my mom, my dad was black, mom's Cuban. I was raised by a poor white woman as a as a babysitter. Um, I've just always been around diversity. You know, I value diversity. I think that when you're around that, although I'm very, I am very pro-black, but I don't think pro-black means that you're you're racist or you're 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 against something else. For me, I value everybody. I've some of the greatest lessons I've learned are from people that are not like me, that come from something different than me. Whether if it's race, gender. Um, social status, whatever it may be. And so yeah. I just think that people should just embrace all people. I think when you do that, you grow. I agree. I, I think we need to all look at each other as Americans, as humans, you know, yeah. and get back to that instead of trying to put everybody in a box or a category. I mean, yeah. you know, that's, that's where you really get back to the rawness of being humans and sharing and learning from each other. Absolutely. Well, man, I want to thank you deeply for finally agreeing to come on the show Stop it. and uh you know it was the share, right season yeah it's the right season it's the right vibe man i hope everybody enjoyed the vibe that we put out there yeah. i hope you enjoyed the show and man i'd love to have you back on again Appreciate soon you, but uh man yeah. thank you very Humble. much thank you for allowing me to be on the platform you and biz and i love the energy i love the vibe it's authentic it's i enjoyed it oh man i'm glad to hear that well, we'll be back next week with another great show for you guys. Until then, I hope you guys can take some good nuggets away from this and that you look forward to the next episode. Thank you for joining us.